can a powerhouse woman under pressure tune into her pleasure? Can you be sharp in the boardroom and soft in the bedroom? Welcome to the Leader and Lover podcast. I'm your host, Cherise Spigner. We will take a journey and explore all aspects of Black women and having it all. We'll talk about relationship, career, status, religion, spirituality, love, and sex, all the things that contribute to the total us. So please join us as we take the journey on the Leader and Lover podcast, because girl, you definitely can have it all. All right, I am super excited to be hosting Dr. Christopher Reed, the relationship doctor, along with his beautiful, lovely wife, Darlene. We are really excited to have them on the Leader and Lover podcast. Today's episode is going to be our Couples Corner, where we will bring to you successful couples because there is a perception and a rumor out there that Black folks cannot have good relationships. And we all know that is not true. So today we are excited to have our beautiful couple. And so we will start with Darlene. Welcome to the Leader and Lover podcast, Darlene. So can you tell us just a little bit of background on the two of you, and then we'll go ahead and get into the question. Background on the two of us. We've been married for a, a little while. So we're going on 26. A little while. <laughs> that's a lot while. In any situation, that's a lot while. <laughs> and it seems like a lot, but really, it doesn't seem like it's been that long to be really honest with you. We met in college. We were total opposites. He was this, I don't even know. I didn't like him, quite frankly. Everything I said, he had to say something opposite. And yeah, it just wasn't. And I was like, whatever. I was actually trying to get with his best friend. So we went, I mean, like true story. And we were somewhere out and I was with my sorority sister and we went back to our sorority house and I told her, I was like, I'm trying to get with his friend. And she laughed and I laughed and I said, but I am. But I tell you one thing, if he doesn't have a car, I'm not talking to him because my ex-boyfriend didn't have one and blah, blah, blah. So we casually asked that question. And the guy that I was trying to ho- or you know get with, he was like, no, I don't have a car. My boy, Chris, always takes me wherever I need to go. And I looked at my sorority sister. I was like, Oh, guess that ain't going to be happening. And then we fought a lot. Like I said, I would say one thing, he'd say another. Well, that wasn't fighting. Not fighting, like literally fighting, but it was like, I would say blue, he would say black. I would say that's cute. He said that's ugly. And I'm like, who does he think he is? At that time, I was used to pretty, pretty boy. Yeah. And they would pretty much whatever I wanted. That's what I got. And here he is going to be like, no. And I just, couldn't wrap my head around it, but I wasn't trying to get with them no way. So it didn't matter. So then we were talking about black women and kitchens and I don't know what a kitchen is. And so he was like, you don't know what a kitchen is? I was like, no. So he touched the back of my head and I was like, wow, that, that felt kind of good. And so he explained what the kitchen was and I was like, okay. And we spent the remainder of that night just talking and we talked for quite some time. And then afterwards it was like the week, early hours of the morning, he decided to ask me for my phone number. And I was like, I'm not trying to really do all that. But I gave him my number or maybe I got hit. I forget what happened, but he ended up calling me and he asked me out and I told him no. And then he asked me out again. I told him no, because I had to watch my TV shows and it interfered (laughs) with my TV shows. But eventually we did go out. And the first date that we had, we talked and he made me laugh. Dude had me laughing all 
the time. And, and he just had this nonchalant attitude. You're cute. You're pretty, but I don't care. <laughs> and he made it known to me that he did not care. And if he did care, I was like, wow, he didn't spend no money on me. He was like, I, I'm not paying for anything. I'm just going to tell you that right off the rip. You want something? You gotta what? Get- I, was, yeah. I, was, I was in college. You know I, what I mean? But he had money in college. He worked. He had money. It was like he was stingy with his money. I mean, like really stingy. And you know what it was? I was scared to be taken advantage of because really, I know you're talking to her, but there was an insecurity there that because she looked the way she looked that I wasn't about to try to get played. So if you're trying to get me for a dinner, you know what I'm saying? It ain't happening on my college budget. <laughs> and my thing was, I don't need you. I don't need a man to get me where I need to go because I can take care of myself. Let's be clear. But he would say stuff like, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> I mean, because I had acne on my face at one time and he would just point it out. He would point out like the shoes I was wearing, the socks. I was. I mean, he would just just cut me down. And, and I liked it. I appreciated that because I didn't get that from other guys at all. I got wow. the exact opposite. And then he said, I'll never fall in love with a girl. He said something to that. And I was like, you know what? That is my goal. He's going to fall in love with me. I mean, why can't he fall in love with me? I mean, look at me. I mean, come on, is what I was thinking at that time. But in the time that I was trying to do all that, I actually started fall- <laughs> falling for him. And it just, from then on, we just ended up being together. And it was... Here we are, 26 years, years later. Yeah. Well, that's not exactly how it happened. Well, it's not exactly how it happened. But there was a turning point for me real quick that once school was about to start back for fall oh, yeah. uh, semester, <laughs> a quarter, she kind of asked me what we were doing. And I held fast to the fact that we're just hanging out. But she let me know that she ain't just trying to hang out. So I thought that I could really easily walk away. But when I was going to do that, my heart said something different. And I really didn't realize that I had fallen in love with her. I really didn't. I actually told him I loved him first. When I said it to him, he looked at me and was like, blank, <laughs> and didn't say nothing back. <laughs> yeah, because, well, the, the, oh, I was I, so hurt. I didn't take that casually because even, well, at that, did I. <laughs> even at that young age, I wanted to know what I was committing myself to. If I say I love you, then what am I committing to do for you mm-hmm. and with you? So for me, only thing I knew that really gave a description was Corinthians. And that's what I looked at. I said, am I willing to do this for her and be this? And I said, yeah, when I actually say it. So that was my method to my madness. Yeah. So that's how it all. Now, here we are. Now, now, here we are 26 years later, 27 years later. No, almost 26 years. We were married almost 26 years. We dated for a year. Oh, you mean how many years total? Right. I stand correct. Here we are. So many nuggets in that story. And interestingly enough, so many contradictions to what I think people believe dating is about. So with that being said, what does having it all mean to you, Darlene? That's a heavy question. Wow. What does it mean to have it all? You would think having the big house, the husband that provides and the perfect kids and the dog, stay at home, all that type of stuff. That is not it. I have found that it is appreciating the small things, appreciating what I do have instead of what 
I wish I have this. I wish you spend so much time wishing. I wish I want. And I mean, I do. I want things, but I have learned in the years that I've been with my husband to appreciate the things that I do have because I know that he works very hard to provide for us. And because I know that in my heart, that everything he does to provide for me and his family, I'm content. And I feel like what I do have is a lot. It might not seem like a lot to a lot of people because we don't have the fancy big old house and the fancy old cars, but I have peace in my house, even with the hurricanes that do go on because they do go on. They're going on. They're going on now. <laughs> However, I know that my, my rock is right there. Wow. And because of that, I feel like I have all that I need. And you mentioned something because my follow-up question is usually what are the misconceptions about that? But you touched on that, the house, the husband that provides, being able to stay at home. Those aren't necessarily the things that equate to Mm -hmm. having it all unless you have the peace, you have the support system, and you have the contentment. And I agree. I mean, I think in my journey, what I thought was having it all were some of those things that were monetary and that were the things that people from the outside looked at. And I may have sacrificed some happiness to stay in either relationships, jobs, or situations to keep that facade, if you will, up. But Mm -hmm. inside, I really didn't have it all. And as I worked on myself and understood what it took for me to have my own peace and contentment, Tracy and I right now are in a very small space and probably more content than ever for that reason you said, because I know he's building us a house and I know everything he does, he wants Mm -hmm. with my satisfaction. You know, that does, it just shifts, it shifts your thought process and your paradigm around having it all. And I think to add to that, one thing that Chris has always been since we dated is he allowed me to be who I am. I am a lot. I am. I've seen you, Tracy. I am a lot. I mean, just not here. I mean, you can ask my friends, you can ask my coworkers, they'll tell you that I don't hold my tongue. It's hard for me to do that. I have to have my space. I do not like to be suffocated. And he allows me to do the things that I need to do, whatever that is, to be me. And I allow him to be him. One thing that I've always believed in is that for us to be successful as a couple is we have to have trust. And what he does for a living, how I am in just general, I have a lot of male friends and I kick it with a lot of people. And he talks to a lot of women. Fine. There has to be that trust there. And my philosophy has always been, hey, if I can't trust you, I can't be with you, period. So he's going to do what he's going to do. And I just have to trust and believe that he is going to do everything to be good to us. Because if we're not good, nothing's good. That's true story. I appreciate you saying that having being a lot. I was telling someone they were recording me on something I can't remember. And I said, the men that have told me that I'm a lot or I'm too much, I knew they weren't my man because I am who I am. I have a big personality. I have an opinion. I've definitely learned how to massage my messaging, especially when talking to men, because I appreciate how I can come across. However, at the end of the day, I am who I am and I don't want to contort myself to be in a relationship. 
Mm-hmm. I try to do that. And that's not successful for either side because either I'm going to eventually show you who I am and you real, you caught off guard <laughs> and that's not cute. <laughs> or I've been biting my tongue for too long and I just feel, to your point, kind of stifled or shackled. And mm-hmm. that never serves anybody either. But Tracy really just allows me to be who I am in my fullest way. So to the point where it even influences me on how I engage with him because I also want to keep him in mind when I'm engaging with him. So it's just really interesting that you talk about that. So just like segueing to like, how do you guys get to that place of peace and contentment and trust and comfort? So many couples don't have that. And it's really beautiful to see that. So that's more like your journey to having it all. Like, how did you get to the place where you just feel really content with each other? So I really don't think that there's like a diagram. And I ask myself that a lot. Like, how are we here? And I don't have an exact answer for that. For me, even though I'm very strong-willed and I want what I want, how I want it, when I want it in my marriage, he's the man, he's the head of the household and I follow his lead and he leads really well. Now, has he made mistakes along the way? Yes. Have I made mistakes along the way? Oh my God, yes. And we made the decisions in all those mistakes to say, okay, let's figure this out. And we figure it out together. Now, sometimes we butt heads and I don't like what he has to say. He doesn't like what I have to say. And I mean, I don't even know if it's because I have this spiritual connection. Like I talk to God all the time. I mean, it's not even that, but I do believe because I have some foundation that that grounds me and it helps reel me in. And because he has his spiritual foundation relationship, I believe that he comes from a place that he's able to deal with me and call it God or whatever helps me deal with him. Because there was a time when I was, I used to run. I'd be like, you know what? I'm out. I gotta go. (laughs) And I have not by myself. I mean, Chris has helped me and to learn how to just stand still and deal with whatever issues. And I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I don't other than I just take it one day at a time, one situation at a time is not always perfect. Does he get on my nerves? Yes, he does all the time. (laughs) But I'm okay with that. Because you know what? I have to look at myself. I'm, I'm sure he looks at me sometimes and goes, you know what? You are just, I just don't like you. And I'm like, I don't care. And we have decided to deal with that. However, we deal with it and we get through it. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, I just don't, I don't even have an answer for it. It makes sense. I mean, it sounds like you guys have made the decision that you take each other as you are. And whatever the hurdles that come up, you're going to work on them. You're going to work on solving them. It's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. I think also that the foundation that you talked about, that you have the spiritual foundation and he has, I think that means a lot in a relationship so much. But Doc, so tell me, and we have a conversation amongst men all the time. And this is widely known that men sometimes have a problem with alpha women or are dealing with alpha women and C-suite women. What do you say to that conversation? Because I consider Sharia alpha woman. I consider myself an alpha man. But I consider myself, especially now at the age of 58, I can turn it on and turn it off when I want to. I think learning that, I think I don't think I've always been like that. I don't think everybody start out like that. 
but I've learned that over the years. What do you say about that? I think actually I prefer that strong personality because of the challenge factor. I think for me as a man, I want to feel like I conquered. We like climbing mountains and crossing oceans. And if she like just did everything that I said, I don't think that I would have found that intriguing. And also looking at myself, I'm not intimidated by it. And I'm not intimidated to let her be big. I don't need that spotlight. I don't crave that spotlight. I ironically, I don't know about ironically, but I've been looked at like from other guys that may see me with her think like she just runs all over me. Mm. You know what I mean? Because of her strong personality. So going back to that other question about how do you grow this? Who I am now in the relationship is not who I was then. I mean, we were 20 some years old. I mean, how much do you know about yourself at 20 something? I came with a lot of fears that I didn't know I had, a lot of insecurities that I didn't know I had. And I did have to learn on the job training, you know what I'm saying? How to lead and how to with her personality. And then too, when we got together, I was a little baby super Christian. And I felt like I had to keep that. So yeah, she says, I let her be her. I've evolved into that because before I wanted to keep her in a nice little tight, little safe box. But you know why I did that? Because I had a fear of abandonment that I didn't know that I had. So if I thought if she did things that I thought was like, oh, you had a glass of wine, you're going to be an alcoholic. But my father was an alcoholic. Mm. So when I grew up, my parents, my mom, oh, she was a successful businesswoman. She always had to have an apartment on the side that she kept 24-7. So when my father got drunk, we would go there. So I never had this huxtable lifestyle. My parents, when they bought the house, it has a separate bedroom for each one of them. I never grew up seeing them hold hands and kiss, and I never saw that. So those fears that I had about losing an unsafe family, it was founded in that because I was always the outside looking in. We grew up in a regular middle-class neighborhood, but our family was the weirdos. I was adopted, first of all, so my parents were a lot older. And my dynamic didn't look like everybody else's dynamic. I had the dark skin thing going on. When I was younger, if you was dark, nobody wanted to be with you. So I had all these little episodes of being on the fringes. So there was always a fear of some sense of loss. So you come into a relationship with all these fears. Like when she told you, I'd be like, what's that on your face? That was still a defensive or protective mechanism for me and my own insecurities because I got to bring you down so that I can come up. Wow. I teach all against that with my clients, but in my own immaturity, I was using what I had. You know what I mean? Now, I knew that she was always being told she was this and that. Probably was a better way I could have communicated my message. At that time, she, I guess she penetrated all that. But anyway, I don't know. I might have gone off on a, on a tangent. I think she penetrated all that. I think when we go back and think about the college days when you said, nah, I, I ain't spending no money. I, I, I ain't doing that. You know what I mean? So after a while, Doc, how do men get beyond that portion? Because I understand what you're saying into a relationship. You say, you know what? I'm not going to spend all this money. I'm not going to do all this. Some of our, our men get stuck. Where is that? Or we want to split the bills in half. We don't want to pay for the full flight. How do men, how do we get beyond those issues there? And let me just throw this in there too, because the opposite side of that is 
women are being told if he's not a provider, he mm. needs to pay for everything. Don't be going half on the main. Mm. So you got almost two competing Fortress. Yeah, in- entities there. I think I am a traditionalist, even though my origins did not display that. But that's what I teach. Let the man see, because to me, the date is not about who pays and who doesn't pay. It's about making that woman feel special. It's about letting her feel like she's the only woman in the room. Because in reality, if we're dating on the same level, either one of y'all could pick up the bill. It's not about the money. So that's what I tell guys. It's about you giving her a special experience. Now, I ain't saying the first time you take her out, you got to take her to the most expensive restaurant on the planet. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't saying you got to go through the drive through at McDonald's either. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and I- he didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't either, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, true. That, there was a McDonald's story in there some way. Because yeah. I was like, because I was like, did you, do you have your money? <laughs> He did. He was like, you have your money? Well, I was 20 something. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, getting back, get back to where we were. So yeah, I think the education for guys just has to be, it's more about making her feel special. Now, if you're going on five dates a week, that could add up. You might want to face yourself out. You know what I'm saying? Maybe go take a walk in the park or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's what helped us a lot in wow. COVID. We wow. did a lot of picnics. A lot of walks, a lot of car rides, but I think that was good because my normal expectation would have been something different and who knows how that would have panned out. But with that, how do you think women, especially your alpha high powered women, how do you think they allow some of that to maybe sabotage them having it all? If in their minds, they believe relationship is part of having it all. In terms of being too much of a- Just having these expectations of you guys would have missed out on each other if her requirement had been that you spend money on her. Obviously, you were definitely in a different place because you were younger, college students. So you get a little bit of grace there. We meet people at different phases of their life. And there may be aspects that they bring to the relationship that may not be financial. And if we base a lot of things on provision and finances, how can we or how have you seen or how do you coach women to make sure we don't allow that to be such a determining Mm -hmm. factor? I mean, I'm a traditionalist, too. And I tend to make more money than some of the men I have dated. However, for me, if they show up in the way that you just mentioned about making me feel special, don't come at me talking about 50-50. I don't care. That is, that is a deal breaker for me. Just the messaging of what it means to me, because it means that you're looking at me transactionally and not relationally. However, you do not have to have as much money than me. So how have you seen women sabotage themselves? And then how do you coach them in that way? I think I've seen maybe a little bit of the opposite where because they are the alpha, they don't mind paying for everything. And I'm just saying my message to them is you have to learn to allow him to take care of you and whatever that looks like. And when I say take care of you, make you feel special, because sometimes women may you know be on a date, they give the check and I'll just go ahead and take that because maybe it's a fear. Maybe he doesn't. And if you are the alpha CEO woman. You're always used to taking care of everything anyway in your circle. You're the go-to person for everybody. So I think the challenge for them is to trust the process that guys out here do want to step up. Like I said, whatever that may look like, you may make more money than him, but still doesn't mean that he can't show up in some way to make you feel special. That could be roses. That could be a picnic. That could be all kinds of things. And it took me a long time to figure out like, what does that mean to feel special? Because I remember she used to say to me, I don't feel special. 
And I was just like, well, tell me what you want. I'll give it to you. Well, if I have to tell you, then I don't feel special. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What are you talking about if you don't? But we as men, we're goal oriented. We give us the bullseye, we can hit it. But for the woman, it's a feeling. I mean, I had to get off my lazy behind and like actually pay attention to when she said, oh, I like that. Or, oh, if you're ever out and you want to give me something, boom. Instead of just being like, you're pouring out a lot of money out here. Instead of doing that, just take a mental note. And then you show up with it. And she was like, you remember? Did I mention that to you that I wanted it? That was like six months ago. And so now I can be the superhero. And that's a learned experience, Doc. (laughs) So Tracy, if we can help the younger ones learn that early, then they don't have to bump their head because it takes guys a long time to learn that one lesson right there. How do women message that? Because I have my challenge historically, I've done a much better job now, especially working with you, because for me, I don't care how much something costs. I really don't because I can buy pretty much most things reasonably for myself. But to your point, plan the date, plan the picnic, plan the little special moment. Remember to your like that I liked that T-shirt that said I'm ratchet and respectable. That means <laughs> that doesn't take a lot of money, but people get caught up so much in that money conversation, especially in our community, whether it's lack of trust, whether it's we finally got something and we're trying to hold on real hard on both sides to keep it. How do you think that plays into the dating paradigm and how do on both sides do people get over that? You have to know the person you're with. And two, for men, because oftentimes we think bigger is better. So if I get you that car, if I get you that house, or I get you that thing, we think that's worth more points. One point. Yeah. My my man, John Gray, not the preacher, but the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, he talks about one point. Everything you get for her is worth one point. So then it can take away that bigger is better. And so we can show up with a single stem rose if that's what you like and realize she could feel like you gave her the world and we don't necessarily have to feel that way but that's what she likes like she knows me like i like sweets so she could put a bag of twizzlers on the counter and i'm like (laughs) now she could do that every week and i'll give the same reaction it'll give me the same my little boy is leaping on the same, but she knows me after all these years. So it's just about knowing and studying the person that you're with. Mm, mm, That's good advice. Great advice. Great advice for the young brothers. So I'm going to go back to something you said, Darlene, that I actually loved. And I had this myself, that accountability piece you mentioned in you guys, your evolution to getting to having it all and getting to that place of contentment and peace. So I'm difficult too, or you've just recognized about yourself that there's difficulties about yourself. How did you get there? Because I think once we can get to looking in the mirror and not out the window, we definitely do ourselves and everyone that we deal with, whether it's a romantic relationship or other people, we do everybody a good deed when we realize, I know I can be whatever, but I reckon, you know, just recognizing that's half the battle. How did you get there? Because a lot of people just can't get there. I, I don't know how I got there, how I got where I'm at. But a lot of situations <laughs> where I've been very extra and because I have a lot of respect for him, he doesn't tell me to pipe down very much. He allows me just to do whatever I need to do, whatever I need to get through. But when he says, hey, you need to slow it down. 
I'm like, okay, he means slow it down. And so I will slow it down. So how did I get to the point where I have learned that? I think because I do trust him so much. And we've established that from the very beginning, from talking. I mean, we talked a lot. We go and just talk. That's what we did a lot when we dated. We talked and we we had a thing where, and we haven't done this in many years, but in the very beginning, we used to say to each other, no matter how it makes you feel, tell me. So it didn't matter if it was like, you know what? I didn't like, he had a a friend in college and he would say, mm-hmm, I know it's real stupid. And that bothered me. And so I'm like, why would that bother me? It doesn't matter. And so I would tell him that bothered me. So to know that I could just say whatever I want, no matter how stupid it was, that that really built that foundation. And the, and the agreement was whatever you said, no matter how stupid you thought it might sound, the other person agreed not to make you feel like it was stupid. So you wouldn't even have to deal with that fear and take that off the table so we could talk about what needs to be talked about. So over many years, I think because of those small things that we did in the beginning, it has gotten me to where I'm able to say, okay, I need to just bring it down or I need to step back or I need to Cause we'll be out somewhere and I'm just talking like how I always talk, like a director. Yes. No, I need you to read it back. And he'll be like, okay, you need to reel that back in. And I'm like, what? But for me, I'm acting normal. <laughs> to him, I'm probably being an itch. <laughs> so like this, this big, small. And so over the years, I've learned to just reflect on those things. And it's maybe I I do need to work on those things because again, because I trust him, I have softened in that I have learned to... Now, let me just put out there that it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens more than it would have many years ago. So I'm going to say, and we don't want to paint the picture like all 26 years have been roses. We went through a real rough patch where I don't think you knew if you wanted to be married. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> sure the boys and girls want to hear about that. Yeah. There was, there was a little patch to that. I just wanted to go out and just have fun and kick it. And I was going to say, I, and I think also that part of our relationship probably helped her also get to the point for her to look at herself and say, whoa, wait a minute. Okay. You may be being a little extra in that aspect and to give her more self-reflection pre that versus post that period. Cause I'm kind of look at it in two. So since you brought that up, <laughs> so during that little phase, I did, I don't think I, that I didn't want to be married. It was just, I just, I felt, I don't like being confined. And I felt like I was being confined. I don't like it. It makes me angry. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go and be with my friends and hang out and just do what I want. And he was like, no, you need to, no, reel it back in. And I was like, no, I don't want to. You're not going to tell me what to do. My dad used to tell my mom what to do all the time. And I hated it. No man is going to tell me what to do. I still have a little bit of that in me. I don't like it. I, I break into somebody different because it just re- makes me reflect back to what my, my dad used to do. Child, childhood. So in that moment, in that time when we were having that issue, <laughs> he was very calm. Number one, Chris has never told me 
you can't. He's always said, I don't like or I prefer that you don't do this. And at that time, he's like, you know what? I apparently need to work on myself to get myself together because you're not acting how you should be acting. So clearly, I need to work on me and get myself together. And I'm like, I'm the one that's acting stupid. And he thinks he needs to work on him. (laughs) I'm like, what is this? Who is this dude that I am married to that is going to take the responsibility for his family? (laughs) I was just like, wow. He was trying to have me talk to people and read the Bible. I was like, dude, you can take the Bible and, and put it where the sun don't shine is how I felt at that moment. And he stopped trying to push things on me and he really worked on him. And by him doing that, it just showed me like, wow, I love him and I just hate him because he's just, how do you do, how do you do that? So he was selfless and unconditional in my issue. I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> no, that, that's <laughs> all I know is you, an- you, whatever it was, you answered. Here we are. And let me say this, like before it makes me seem like I'm some kind of, there wasn't no blueprint for that. When I tell you that was talk to God every second of the day. And I just heard the Holy Spirit tell me it's going to be all right. Mm. Many of those days, that's all I had. Mm. That's all I had. It's just going to, it's going to be all right. And I held on to that for dear life. Wow. Yeah. It was very difficult when it says your later should be greater than your former. It's like you have the memory of the scar. You can see the scar on your hand that you got when you was in the second grade. that you don't have the pain from the scar. That's what it is. One thing both of you guys seem to reflect on or at least understand some of the things that you've brought into the relationship because you're who you are. You understand the experiences that you have. And it seems like you at least have some accountability around I know I have insecurity because I grew up like this, or I know I have insecurity because I was darker complexion, or I know I have these issues because my parents. So you have a container to manage some of that trauma that you brought because we all bring ourselves to the relationship. And it's that healthy way of navigating and managing with another individual and basically deciding that either we hold on or we're not. And I think for me, I used to joke and say, if me and Tracy worked out, it was going to be okay, but I was going to be okay no matter what. And I realized when he asked me to marry him that I got to a place where I can't live without him. I think there may have been moments earlier in our relationship that he, he was there, got there, but I came to that. And no matter all the stuff that I'm bringing into this relationship, I can't live without him. So we just working from there. And we won't make it work because, you know, that's how I feel. And he's exhibited in moments where we were at a crossroad and not like we've been at a hard crossroad, you know, it hasn't been that long. (laughs) I'm trying to be an alpha male over here, but if she walks out that door, it's. (laughs) So I don't know if this is going to sound like off and not to take away from anything you just said. I think that could I live without my husband? I probably could. And he could probably live without me, but I don't want to. So I I really don't. I have no desire not to be without him. Yeah. So I choose. My choice is to live whatever, through thick or thin. I don't care whatever happens. I'm your ride or die. 
And that's how it is. Mm. Yeah, good way. Mm. yeah. I think on that note, we are at the top of the hour almost. And we've got yeah. great nuggets from this couple that's been married and together 27 years. I mean, again, there's that trope that there aren't good black men out there. There's that trope that we don't have successful marriages and the reads are definitely an example of that. Some things that I took from the conversation is having trust, building safe places, having some accountability and knowing who you are, knowing what you're bringing into the relationship. So I think all of our listeners will benefit greatly from this conversation. So as we go out on our outro, can you both tell us how people can find you? I know, Darlene, you are into fitness and guru in that space. And Doc Reed, obviously you have your relationship business. So where can people find you, Darlene? I am on Instagram and I am on Facebook. So if they want to find me, they can find what's me your, there. What's your Instagram handle? What? <laughs> your Instagram name. She's old. She's, huh? Oh. What's a handle? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just look for Dara Reed, R-E-I-D. Okay. D-A-R-R-E-I-D. Perfect. And Dari, the relationship cardiologist, as you coin yourself, where can people find you? Because obviously you have such good information. Just full disclosure, I am a client. I am a believer. And (laughs) when I talked to Dr. Reed early on, when I met this one, I was like, I get them good. I get good ones. (laughs) And I have solid relationships, but we don't get to the altar. (laughs) So (laughs) I got to tweak some stuff. And again, about accountability and knowing who I am. But he has just really been instrumental in making sure I've navigated this relationship beautifully. But I have a beautiful partner, too. Thank you. So. Doc. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you did all the work. <laughs> but they can find me at ChristopherReed.org. That's R-E-I-D. They can find him at home. <laughs> he don't leave. Yeah, I'm always home. <laughs> don't matter if it's COVID or not. Hey, this is my norm. You know what I'm saying? I ain't tripping. <laughs> So definitely, we have appreciated this time. Thank you, Tracy, for joining me. I appreciate you contributing to my podcast. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you. And this is Sharice Spigner, host of Leader and Lover podcast. And we are out. Thank you. Thank you.